Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm your host, Wayne G, and I want to wish you a happy new year and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of 2023. As advertised, this will be a mailbag episode as we kick off the year answering 14 questions that you guys submitted. Among those are questions about the show, future movies we may tackle, and whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Before we dive into the questions, though, please be sure to follow us on social media. We are on TikTok at Recasted Podcast, on Instagram at Recasted Podcast 8, on Facebook at Recasted Podcast. We also have a public Facebook group called All Things Movies, where you can interact with us and other podcasts as well. We are the most active on Twitter, where we are at Recasted Podcast. And please feel free to check out our website, www.recastedpodcast.com. With the formalities out of the way, and without further ado, let's get into some of these questions. The first question we have here is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Now, I'm sure that you've seen all over social media every year this question comes up. People say it is, people say it isn't. Nobody really has a definitive answer, but they're very passionate about how they feel about it. Maybe you've even had this argument over Thanksgiving or at Christmas at your family's house. So I decided to come up with an answer that is pretty much the only answer. There is no other answer but this. And that is, to some people it is, and to some people it's not. That's an answer. That's the answer. (laughs) It's not sexy. (laughs) That's an answer. Now, when you decide whether or not a movie is a Christmas movie, that's purely subjective. There is no quantitative measurement. There is no metric to help you decide whether or not a movie is or isn't a Christmas movie. It's our own personal opinion, and it's our own personal things that we're using to determine whether or not it is a Christmas movie. Just like when we say, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Some people say LeBron James. Some people say Michael Jordan. I say Wilt Chamberlain. We're all just using different statistics and different metrics to justify our greatest player. Same thing with Christmas movies. We all have different criteria as to what is and is not a Christmas movie. Some people have very consistent criteria, like yours truly, and some people have inconsistent, meaning they contradict themselves a lot with their rules. But let me go over what my two rules are. And I say two rules. In order for a movie to be considered a Christmas movie, it has to meet one of two criteria. Number one, it has to be about Christmas. Now, I don't mean it has to have Christmas elements. It has to have Christmas songs. What I mean is that the plot of the movie has to be about Christmas, saving Christmas, finding the Christmas spirit, and so on. Therefore, movies like A Christmas Carol, that's a Christmas movie because it's about Christmas. Any variation of it, whether it's Muppets, Disney, the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray, they are about Christmas. If the movie's not about Christmas, it can still be a Christmas movie as long as it is about a Christmas element. That would be elves, Christmas trees, presents, and the like. So I'll give you an example. The movie Elf with Will Ferrell. I think we all agree it's a Christmas movie, but it's not about Christmas. It's about a guy trying to reconnect with his dad. That is what the movie's about. That is the plot of the movie. So not about Christmas at all. Son of a nutcracker. However, it is about a Christmas elf, Buddy. So therefore, since it's about a Christmas element, it is a Christmas movie. Gremlins as well. Gizmo is a present. The entire movie is about Gizmo and the repercussions of what happens when you mistreat Gizmo. 
So therefore, it's about a Christmas present. Another movie like that, Jingle All the Way, same thing. Movies that don't make the list are It's a Wonderful Life. It's about a guy who wants to commit suicide until he sees what his life would be like or what the world would be like without him being alive. Home Alone, which is about a kid who gets left behind and has to fight off burglars. Again, not about Christmas, not about a Christmas element. Therefore, Home Alone is not a Christmas movie. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? Those are just my rules. You don't have to abide by them. But the point is that those are my rules. You have your rules. Maybe you think any movie that has snow in it is a Christmas movie. Well, good for you. And that's fine. But that's not the way it is. It's different for everybody. So mine is my way. Yours is your way. Let's shake and agree to disagree. The next question comes from our friends at I Finally Watched Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Finally Watched. What highly anticipated movie of 2022 disappointed you the most? Well, that's a great question. And for me, I think it's the movie Nope, the Jordan Peele movie about the alien in the sky or whatever that was. So people had talked about this movie like it was groundbreaking, like it was incredible. And I watched this movie and didn't enjoy a single solitary second of the film. It just wasn't entertaining. It was very dark and very dry and very weird. And so I think that the crowd that really likes this movie is the artsy crowd, the ones who like Tarantino because he makes really weird movies and apparently weird equals smart or cool or something. I don't know. I watched Nope. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was entertaining. I won't watch it again. I won't recommend it to anybody, but it came highly recommended. So the answer is the movie Nope. Stephen Doyle from These Films Are the Juice submitted the next question. What acting career did we not see because of Marvel? So the question is suggesting that a Marvel character, whether it's Thor, Iron Man, or somebody like that, got wrapped up in doing a bunch of these Marvel movies. And because they were wrapped up in all these Marvel movies, they didn't get a chance to really spread their wings and do other projects or non-Marvel projects. So we missed out on some really great performances or some really great acting careers. When I look at it that way, it's kind of a double-edged sword because I'm going to say Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is the best actor in the Marvel universe. He is incredible, great depth. He's an amazing character. He was nominated for an Oscar for his role in Chaplin. So he's a very, very good actor. He can do drama. He can do comedy because he's hilarious. So I think that we missed out on a lot of really good Robert Downey Jr. movies. But that said, I also think that we wouldn't have Robert Downey Jr. today if it weren't for Iron Man. Iron Man totally turned around his career. After he got out of prison, it was harder to find work. He relapsed. At any rate, he ends up becoming Iron Man. It makes him a megastar. He can choose any picture he wants now. And I hope that he continues to do great things. I would actually love to see a Sherlock Holmes 3 directed by Guy Ritchie. But that said, I would say that Robert Downey Jr.'s career is the one that was the most stifled because of the Marvel Universe and because he played such a big role in it. However, I think that his current career is thankful to the Marvel Universe. So like I said, double-edged sword. Keeping it comic book related, we have, can James Gunn write the ship for DC? It's a good question. I don't know if he can or if he can't. I'm not sure how good he will be as the head of the studio, so to say. I know he's a great director. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. 
But being a great director doesn't mean that you're going to be a great front office person. He now has to be in charge of choosing directors, choosing the direction of the franchises, choosing actors. A lot of them probably already have contracts with WB or DC. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't want to say he can't do it. I think DC is in a lot of trouble right now in terms of they don't really know what their identity is. So at the very least, I hope he can bring a solid identity to them so we're not getting seven different Batman movies, four different Superman movies, three different Green Lantern movies. Let's build a universe. Everybody's got a straight storyline. Everybody's connected. Let's not just do a billion different stories. So if he does that, I think he'll be fine. Incorporate the TV shows like Marvel has, although Marvel didn't jump into the TV show game until late, late, late. So maybe in rebooting DC, he can use that Marvel template, do some DC shows that tie into the DC universe. And I always say that you have to start with Batman and Superman. Those are the two biggest. And I know people are like, well, we're done seeing Batman. We're done seeing Superman. I don't think so. I think you just have to reboot them and do it the right way. The next question is kind of a subjective question, which is what is an overrated, underrated movie? So I don't know if it's asking what do I classify as overrated and underrated? Because I think that just means that the expectations were really high or the ratings are really high on it from critics and fans alike, but maybe it doesn't quite meet my personal expectations. As far as looking for examples of overrated and underrated movies, I do think most of the stuff that Quentin Tarantino does is overrated because of the fact that it was done by Tarantino. So it gets an automatic, at least B minus rating from the critics and from the artsy fans before it even shows a second on the screen. So Pulp Fiction to me, I don't get it. And I know a lot of people really love that movie, but no matter how many times I watch it, it's never entertaining. I'm probably never going to watch it again unless we have to recast it. So anything by Tarantino, I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction as an overrated film. Wrong. Wrong. An underrated film, I think, is the opposite. It's something that people aren't going to clamor for and they aren't going to shout from the rooftops. Maybe it gets a cult following. And for me, an underrated movie that I really enjoy is Stranger Than Fiction. It's a dramedy starring Will Ferrell and there's a woman who narrates his life. He's the only one that can hear her narrating his life. And she's laid out there that at some point he's going to die. So he seeks the help of Dustin Hoffman, who is a literary professor at a college, and they're trying to figure out together how he can not die. I've written papers on Little Did He Know. I used to teach a class based on Little Did He Know. I mean, I once gave an entire seminar on Little Did He Know. Son of a bitch, Harold. Little did he know it means there's something he doesn't know. That means there's something you don't know. Do you know that? And it's a really good movie, and it's got some very funny parts I laugh out loud about, but it's also got a serious tone to it, and it's really, really good. And I think that it's a good performance from Will Ferrell, who I know does a lot of jokey, clowny, goofball things, and this is not that. I think he's funny, but he plays it very, very straight, and I enjoy Stranger Than Fiction, so I would say that's an underrated movie. Should people be banned for making racist or insensitive comments in the past? So this is asking about cancel culture, right? Uh, an actor or actress says something in 1997 and they bring it up today. And so now they don't want her to be in any movies because she said this thing back in 1997 or because he, I don't want to just make it one person. It could be anybody 
obviously we see it every day. We see it come up all the time. It happens a lot with comedians because comedians really push the boundaries of what is acceptable. And so some of the stuff that they say is more recent than maybe some of the things the actors say or do. Why are you laughing? She's outraged. It's a tough question, right? Because I think that we should all be decent to each other. I don't think that we should say insensitive things. I don't think that we should say racist things. However, I don't believe that we should police free speech and tell people who said something a long time ago that they're not allowed to do something now, even though they haven't said something in a dozen years or more. That's the biggest thing for me. It's not like somebody said something 10 years ago and then they also said something last year or last week. These are people who said something 10 years ago and they haven't said anything since then. So why are we canceling them? Do we still think they feel that way, even though they haven't said anything like that, or even though they haven't spoken out? I don't know. It just, it, it makes no sense to me, especially with comedians who are trying to be funny. I say, let them say what they want to say. If they said it a long time ago, let's just forget about it. Unless it's consistent with a pattern of behavior today. So if you have an actor, let's say, who has a history or it comes out that he might be racist and he's denying it. And then, oh, well, here's this video or here's this recording from five years, 10 years ago where you were a racist. Then it's consistent with what's being said about him today. But I think that if it's something that comes out and it's not consistent with what people are saying about the person today or whatnot, then they shouldn't be canceled. They should continue to make movies. I don't know. I think it's, we've gone way out of hand with the language. Just let people do what they do. If you don't like them, don't go see the movie. I don't like this rallying and all that stuff, carrying signs because somebody said something back in 1984. Should we do away with remakes? Good question. It's something that's kind of dear to my heart because I do the show, and the show is essentially we're remaking movies with new casts. So should we do away with remakes? I'm going to say no. We shouldn't do away with remakes because I think that there's always something new or exciting that you can bring to an old idea. Or maybe there's new CGI. Maybe you did a sci-fi movie in 1977 that had really bad CGI, and now it can be amazing. I don't mind remaking movies like that. If you can bring something new or you can improve on it in some way, I don't like making bad remakes. And I don't like making remakes that are not that old. I don't know how many times I've shaken my head because a movie came out in 2016 and they're remaking it in 2022. Give it some time to breathe. I mean, maybe you didn't like the way it was made, but to me, it reminds me of that whole stupid Snyder cut thing. He comes out with the Justice League. Nobody likes it. So then he releases his 11 hour version of it. And people are like, wow, it's amazing. Again, we know which people we're talking about here. So I don't like that idea of remaking something a few years later just because you didn't like the way it was made a few years ago. Give it time to breathe or come up with an original idea. That's the way I feel about that. RoboCop was actually a good idea to remake, considering how much time had passed. They just made a crappy remake. I also don't like in remakes, or maybe it's sequels. I really don't like in sequels where it's been 20, 30 years, and now the story is about the kids of the original actors. What a lazy, stupid, uncreative idea. And I'm talking about movies like Beverly Hills Cop, where they want Axel Foley Jr. to be the Beverly Hills Cop. or Bad Boys, we saw in Bad Boys for Life, that they're kind of grooming this actor to come along to be Will Smith's son and carry the torch. If they do a Goonies 2, which has been thrown out there, it's not going to be Corey Feldman and Sean Astin 
and Josh Brolin. They'll be in it, but it's going to be their kids going on an adventure. So stupid, so uncreative. I hate the idea. If you're going to make a movie about the people's kids, just make a whole new movie and don't even call it whatever. The only reason they do that is it's a cash grab. You slap the name Goonies or Beverly Hills Cop on something. It's going to make money. It's going to do well at the box office, but it's embarrassing. And the people who make these movies should be embarrassed of these movies that they're making. Getting into some of our show questions, somebody asks, what's new for 2023? So a couple of new things. Jesse's left the show. So it's just me. I'm the host of the show now, and I'm going to have a guest host with me every episode. So it's going to be somebody who has their own podcast or maybe even somebody who just is a very big movie fan who knows a lot about movies, and they're going to recast with me. They're going to pick a movie and we're going to recast it. The rules are going to stay the same. We're going to keep it to 20-year-old movies, not really casting kid actors, can't have an original actor from the original film. So the rules are staying the same, but Jesse's not going to be here, so that's going to be one big change. The other thing is we're going to be very, very active on social media. So if you haven't seen anything from us lately, it's because I've been prepping for the first quarter of 2023. There are going to be multiple, and I mean multiple posts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok every single day. And yes, TikTok, we're actually implementing some TikTok videos. I create them every single day so that we can start launching those every day. Once we hit 2023, it's going to be a huge push in quarter one to try to grow the audience and get some more fans like yourselves to listen in, submit questions, submit ideas, submit movies, and vote on whose cast they like better. So those are the two big changes for 2023. Bigger social media push and a rotating carousel of guest hosts. Will we be recording any old episodes? Yes. So Recasted came out, and then we took a hiatus, and we started doing the sports podcast, Infinity Sports. Then we did Recasted 2.0. So there are some movies back in Recasted that are going to come back into the Recasted 2.0 catalog since they're not currently in the catalog, and you have to go listen to a totally different podcast, which doesn't help us in terms of metrics. So we're going to have guest hosts record A Few Good Men, Armageddon, Major League. You know, These are movies that are going to be recasted under the 2.0 label, and so I think that that's going to bring definitely some interest to the show because those are some of our bigger movies that people are familiar with the princess bride we'd love to do the princess bride with somebody everyone loves that movie we'll get a ton of votes on it so anything we did under recasted is fair game for recasted 2.0 who is your favorite actor that you have not recast yet well my favorite actor is tom cruise and i've never recasted him in something so it's tough to find a role we've recasted several tom cruise movies but he's such a singular talent and such an individual talent that it's hard to push him into a role where he doesn't fit. And I want to make sure if I put Tom Cruise in a role, he's got to fit in that role. And I just haven't found the right role for him, but he is my favorite actor. I would love to get him into something. The closest I came was when we recast The Negotiator. I almost went with Tom Cruise and Denzel Washington as the two main characters, but I did not go that route because I thought that would have blown the budget out of the water. I think as of late, you've noticed we've thrown the budget out the window completely. So if I can get Tom Cruise into a movie in 2023, I will be ecstatic. So we'll see if I can make that happen. Well, that sounds very nice. But I've got plans of my own. Who is your dream podcast guest? So I've always said, and it's not a movie guest, it's actually Garth Brooks, because he's the only person I could ever meet in life that would 
make me starstruck. I could meet Tom Cruise. I wouldn't be starstruck. I would be very interested to learn more about his movies and his process. But meeting Garth Brooks, I would be giddy and nervous and excited. It's a person who's changed my life. I mean, I started listening to his music when I was 10 or 11. And I mean, completely changed my life. I would love to go into depth about Garth Brooks, the life of Chris Gaines, the album that came out that people made fun of. It was actually a really good album, but it was supposed to be a soundtrack to a movie. So Garth Brooks was going to be the lead actor in a movie called The Lamb. And then when the soundtrack bombed, they decided to scrap the whole idea because they were planning on coming out with another soundtrack, like a part two, Chris Gaines part two. I would have loved that because I did love the Chris Gaines album. This is the But that's a long way to say that Garth Brooks would be my dream podcast guest. If it had to be a movie-related guest, it would probably be Kevin Smith because he knows so much about the business. And because, like me, he's basically just a fan who became a director. And I would love to hear his take as a fan. He's always been very candid about all kinds of things. And I would have some really great questions for him if he ever came on the show. So, Kevin, please come on the show. Garth Brooks, please, please come on the show. If you could go into any movie... Which one would it be and why? So like, I guess, at Last Action Hero, you get a golden ticket. You can go into the screen and now you're in a movie. I would probably choose Aladdin. And the reason why is because I would get the magic lamp and then I would come back to my world and I would make a wish. I would only need one wish. So there's that whole rule about no wishing for more wishes. But I found a loophole to that, which is you can wish for an item in which you get as many wishes as you want. It's kind of like the movie Delirious with John Candy. If you haven't seen it, it's actually a really funny movie, but John Candy is a soap opera writer and he gets beamed into his soap opera somehow, but he has his typewriter and everything he types on his typewriter disappears and comes true in real life or in the show that he's stuck in. So he can make it so he can ride horses or that he's rich or whatnot. So, That's the kind of thing I would think of. Like, I would love a typewriter that anything I typed came true. It's not asking for more wishes, but you're kind of finding that loophole to get infinite wishes. I'd always thought I would wish for like a ring or a necklace, and I would just tell that ring or necklace a story starting with once upon a time, ending with the end, and then it would come true. So, for example, I could say once upon a time at midnight tonight, I would become a billionaire and no one would ever ask me how I got the money. The end. And then I would wake up a billionaire. And so that's like a wish, but I didn't actually wish for it. So I would get the lamp and then I would wish for that magic item. Hell, you little genius, you. If you could bring back any actor or actress we lost, who would it be and why? It's a tough one. That is a tough one because here's what I'm thinking on that front is obviously, you know, Robin Williams, incredibly kind, meant a lot to me. If you heard us recast Dead Poet Society, I actually got choked up having to recast that role because he did mean a lot to me. But there's other people for different reasons. I think that bringing back Tupac Shakur, for example, he died when he was 26. He never really got a chance to reach his potential. And I think that he might be a congressman or a senator or something today. He was a very, very outspoken person in terms of equality, uh, very intelligent. I think he would have been great in politics today. Another one like that, I'd love to see George Carlin come back. I think George Carlin always pushed the envelope, and he didn't side with anybody. He hated Democrats. He also hated Republicans. He made fun of both of them equally in his shows. 
because he thought the political party system was stupid, as do I. So I agreed with him on that. I think the world needs somebody like him to educate them on what is, but do it in a way that makes them laugh. I don't really have a definitive answer. I would love to see Robin Williams back. I would love to see George Carlin back. I would love to see Tupac back. If you're going to make me pick one person, I'm probably going to go with Chris Farley because he's another guy who didn't quite reach his potential. I think he could have been an Oscar winner. He was so good. And he had that Robin Williams, that John Candy warmth and heart about the characters that he played that I think you could put him into drama roles and he would have absolutely crushed. He would have had that Robin Williams effect of just making you love him in every role. So I'll say Chris Farley would be the person I would bring back. I'm trying to do everything I think you'd be doing. And so far it's going pretty good. I just want to tell you that I still love you and I sure miss you a lot. The last question I have here is what is your favorite movie theater experience? I have a funny experience. My aunt took me to see Turner and Hooch when I was 11 or 12 and maybe I was a little younger. I can't remember, but I cried at the end of it. I wouldn't stop crying. And she's trying to bring me out of the movie theater, just bawling my eyes out this little kid. So I think that that's a a fun experience. I saw RoboCop in the theater. That was great. Again, I was eight years old or something like that. But my favorite movie experience is probably going to be Avengers Endgame. I went to it with my wife and my daughter. We got dressed up in the Pym Particle suits, but they were actually just hoodies, but they looked like the Pym Particle suits. And we watched the whole movie. And I remember at the very end, I was sobbing so hard. I had to cover my face. I put my face into my sweatshirt and I was just sobbing extremely hard. My daughter was bawling her eyes out like I did when I watched Turner and Hooch. My wife is looking at the two of us like, I wish I hadn't come here with the two of you. <laughs> like, what did I get myself into? So I'm going to say Avengers Endgame is my favorite movie theater experience. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. I love you 3000. And that kind of brings us to the end of the questions. Like I said, we had 14 questions. I would have loved to have had more. Please reach out to us on social media. Send us questions for the next mailbag. We'll see if we can do it every six months or so, maybe once a year. It's a pretty short episode, but it gives you guys a little bit of an insight into me and into the show. And hopefully that has illuminated some things and definitely tune into future episodes. We've got some really, really good ones coming out with when Harry met movies, we're going to be recasting or we're going to be casting a live action Hercules film. So that's going to be a fun episode. We're also going to be doing a few good men. We're going to be doing saving private Ryan aliens clue. A lot of really good movies coming up here, snatch. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy those and enjoy those casts, but we're also going to be guesting on some shows. So I'm going to be on the quantum recast, recasting fast and the furious, but in 1989. So that should be fun. And we'll try to get that over to you guys as well. But if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, definitely hit us up on social media. I'll give you those tags again. That's going to be TikTok at Recasted Podcast, Facebook at Recasted Podcast, Twitter at Recasted Podcast, Instagram at Recasted Podcast 8. Hit us up. Anything you want to know, even if you want to just yell at us, even if you want to submit your own cast for a movie. Maybe you listen to one of the episodes and you say, hey, this is my cast. I would gladly even read those out online or on the air. So definitely hit us up. Enjoy the show. I hope you guys had fun with the mailbag. Hopefully we get more questions next time around. 
And this is Wayne G saying, that's all, folks. That's all, folks.